Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour, brought to you by AllAccessMMA.com. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Carbajal. This week, we have the pleasure of bringing on our favorite junkie, MMA junkies, Nolan King. Nolan, how you doing? Uh, how was your holidays, and uh, how are things going? Yeah, they were good, man. It was uh, December's been kind of a, a weird month. It's been kind of slow for me. I went on a little... I went on a work trip and then I went on a regular trip and then I came back and then I had, uh, you know, I, we had the holidays, obviously Christmas, Christmas Eve was good, kind of low key this year, um, nothing too exciting. And then uh, this week we've been uh, part, I've been partaking in the, uh, the Gannett company wide furlough. So I've been looking to talk some MMA in a way that isn't work related and this is a good way to do it. So I'm happy to be back on with you guys. You, you guys know, I, uh, I love coming on here with you. So I'm excited. Let's do it again. Right. Yeah, man. Especially it's it's uh, this is like our our end of the year podcast. I mean, I finally got to hang out with you again after the whole pandemic and everything. You and I got to do the the Bellator event in June together, and um, it's just been. Uh, I feel like with the whole Bellator Rising thing in Japan happening this weekend for the New Year's Eve, I'm just start, I'm start, I'm finally starting to get a sense of us returning back to normal. Yeah, for sure. I think it'll be interesting next year too. I think. Um... You know, the UFC was kind of on that, uh, that, you know, and still are, I guess, to a certain degree of just like all those Apex shows. And I'm sure they'll never go away. I think they're going to always utilize it. But I think between Bellator and the UFC next year, like you're going to see a pretty normal schedule. You know, I think we're already starting to even see it with the UFC. Like, mm -hmm. sure, there's some Apex shows sprinkled in there. But for the most part, it's uh, seems like they're even, you know, wanting to do fight nights in Vegas with the crowd. So I think that the crowd orientation is it's starting to be on everybody's brain. And then, like you said, the international side of it too, like the fact Bellator is going to Japan, like that's kind of, uh, you know, the, the further away you get, the more likely it's, the more it seems normal, right? Like, oh, they're going all the way across the world. So uh, hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Hopefully I didn't jinx it and there's not some other <laughs> pandemic waiting around the corner or something. But uh, yeah, man, the, the more uh, the more travel, the better for these events. I love love seeing the, uh, the, the crowds around the world react to seeing live fights, you know? how it's supposed to be so yep. yeah we got a bunch of stuff to jump into there's actually quite a bit of action uh over the next uh 72 hours or so um we did get some sad news again in the world of mma it seems like it's been a tough year we lost rumble johnson we lost uh, elias uh, theodoro um and then we got the news uh oh gosh what christmas day day before you know right day after christmas, christmas that on uh, on the yeah. on the 22nd of december uh we lost uh stefan bonner who um obviously for probably the vast majority of the UFC fans specifically is somebody that they uh, probably brought them into the sport. Um, these old heads like me and Ed, who obviously were into it much prior to that, but the, the average fighter that we're seeing now uh, in their prime was, you know, 12, 13, maybe 14 years old at the oldest, really, when, when that fight with Forrest Griffin took place at the ultimate fighter one. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have a ton to say. I, I, I met the guy a couple times, um, was always friendly, uh, met him at a Bellator meet and greet, uh, met him actually at the Ultimate Fighter finale, uh, just walking the concourse in, in Vegas, which was fitting considering that's where he, uh, you know, that's where he made his, you know, his name uh, in, in the world of MMA. Um, I was lucky enough to actually attend the Ultimate, or not, uh, Fight Night 1, where he beat Sam Hoger um, for his first official UFC win. And then I kind of got to go full circle and I was there when he lost his final bout in Bellator to Tito Ortiz. So I was able to kind of uh, bookshelf or uh, whatever the word is, uh, you know, get, get both sides of his career from, from start to finish. Um, you know, not the most talented fighter, but a guy who always brought it every single time. And I guess, you know, I'm trying to think about how, how he kind of needs to be remembered. And obviously the tough psycho, uh, you know, uh, impression that he kind of gave out and he even lived it up the, the Bellator eight by tens that he signed was his face covered in blood. And, you know, he really lived it up and, and he seemed to really uh, enjoy that persona. Um, but I think a big thing, and the more I think about it, when I got into MMA uh, in, in the mid nineties, one of the things that really attracted me to the sport and wanted me to get into training and do it was the fact that I saw guys like Steve Jenham, uh, Keith Hackney, uh, Hoist Gracie guys that didn't look all that different from your average dude. And I think that that's a big thing for the growth of MMA because it's one of the few sports where you don't have to be like naturally born gifted 
to become good at something. If you want to be NBA, you got to be tall. You got to be able to jump out the gym. If you want to be in the NFL, you got to be huge offensive lineman, or you got to be extremely quick, rip, you know, smaller, you know, athletic guy. Uh, in MMA, you can kind of pick up something, especially that generation of MMA. You were mm-hmm. able to start at mid kind of life almost as far as, you know, a sporting career life. You know, you, you could pick it up in your mid 20s at that point. And, and in, in, by 32, 33, you could be, you could have, you just learn the skills. It's one of the few sports where you could just learn skills and really thrive at it. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be natural born talent. And I think a big thing that people overlook is the fact that Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner really just had that look. They looked like normal dudes. And the more I think about it is if that had been Adesanya versus Pahea as a tough finale, it would have been totally different because you wouldn't have had the average Joe like me or the kid who was 12 going, oh, I can do that. You know, that guy looks like my dad. I can go Mm. do that, you know? And, And, you know, maybe, you know, that's not to discredit them because obviously they were great at great athletes and, you know, black belts and, and really thrived at what they did. But I just think that that's something that's overlooked is how how common man they were in a sense that it allowed the sport to really thrive. Because while it was a tremendous fight um, visually, if you were at that time, you know, we can argue the technical skills and all the stuff that took place and whether it was one of the greatest fights ever. But it, it, it at the time, obviously, it was and it was so important. But I think the fact that he was just kind of a normal dude um, who picked up jujitsu and was just tough and he could relate to a lot of people. If you saw him, you know, like I have older uncles who would be like, Oh, there was Forrest Grip. It, it just looked like your uncle. It looked like your friend. So I think that that's something big that really helped with the growth of the sport. Um, and I think it should be something about his legacy, not necessarily that he was a normal dude, but that he was a normal dude that went for it and, and got to the top peak of his sport, got to fight Anderson Silva in Brazil. I mean, he never got a title fight, but it doesn't get much better than that. If you're, if you're just jumping in this sport, to get to fight a, an all-time goat in his country, um, it, it just you know. So I I don't know. I, I it's sad to see him pass. Um, obviously, I think he was having some issues as as the last few years, but uh, just somebody who who should always be remembered for for contributing to the 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 start of the sport and mm-hmm. the tremendous growth of it, and really should never be forgotten. I don't know. I know we don't have statues like they do outside of NBA areas and stuff. And he obviously doesn't. He's not Anderson Silva. He's not Randy Couture. But he has his own spot where it's like without him, without Forrest Griffin, without you know the 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 Maurice Smith, the guys who kind of don't really look crazy. The sport would have never got where they were. So um, mm-hmm. it's sad to see. I you know obviously. <laughs> Let's go out to his, his close friends and family. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that's all I want to say. I just wanted to give a little tribute to the man that uh, entertained me for a decade and a half. Yeah, certainly well said. Um, like you, you mentioned off the top there, a tough year for – or somebody did. I don't know if it was Ed or you. But tough year for UFC and, and MMA fighters and mm-hmm. us fans that grew up. You know, it's funny. Like, you kind of expected eventually you'd hit this point. But a lot of these guys, I mean – we're fighting within the last handful of years. Um, you know, I've, I've only been a fan for, I say only, but like a, a diehard fan for about 13, 14 years now. Um, so all these guys, though, were guys that competed that I like, you know, I thought would could even still be competing now. Like, it's not like these are, you know, yeah. guys that were, you know, f- fought in the 1970s or something. So it's it's been tough. I mean, it's been a lot of uh, unfortunate circumstances. And I think for you know, for sure with Stephens, it, it kind of hits you a little bit, you know, it hits you different because that guy was a pioneer, you know, and like you said, um, obviously everybody's going to always remember the Forrest fight. They might look at his resume and say, ah, wasn't the best fighter necessarily, but he did fight in, in his era. I mean, he, he was like, when you had like a premier fight and you needed somebody to fight your A-list guy, like he was a A-minus list guy. Like you could just mm-hmm. go with his name recognition. You knew he was going to be competitive. You knew he could bring his kind of funky personality to the fight. It wouldn't be bland. Um, so obviously a great career. He seemed like, despite all of his issues, even how public they were in the last few years, um, you know, it seemed like generally speaking, a lot of people still uh, had similar interactions with him to, to that kind of quirky guy that we saw. I don't know all the backstories or behind the scenes or whatever, you know, but for me, it just seems like he left, left a great impact on the sport and super sad, unfortunate. Um, you know, leaving behind his wife and his son, uh, who we named Griffin after Forrest. Uh, mm. So, that I, yeah, it's just brutal, man. It's just uh, it's tough to see, especially, you know, getting that news at 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve, uh, Eastern time is just uh, it's a tough time for that sort of thing to come out. 
Yeah, man. I mean, it's um, it's crazy you mentioned <clears throat> when you saw the news because that's literally like, I uh, I was at Christmas Eve. We, my family, we do Christmas Eve. Uh, we celebrate Christmas, Christmas Eve, and um, you know, late that night, I'm getting home, and because of Christmas, my phone was in my pocket, wasn't really doing anything. So of course, when I get home, look at my phone. The first thing I see is that, and I'm just like, oh man, you know what? I what a way to. I mean, technically, we're still in the. It's not the end of the year yet, but like week before the end of the year. And it's just kind of like, I mean, I guess this is a good way to segue into the next part of the, of the podcast. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of like highs and lows in the sport in 2022. Um, obviously losing uh, someone passing away, like, like the people that met mentioned and, and, and Stephen Bonner and stuff like that. It, it, it's, um, it's sad to see when it happens, but it's also been kind of a weird, I feel like this past year, in 2022, we've seen the the biggest changing of the Garden MMA that we've seen like in in it, more than any other time with all the fighters that that we see, see take really bad L's and have to retire. Um, I feel like the the only real great uh, highlight for the old guys was when when Glover picked up his win, but uh, you know, other than that, it, it's it's like um, mostly like like especially if you look back at the, when the the UFC was last at in the Garden. When Frankie Frankie Edgar you know getting knocked out again and and just fighters realizing that it's time to hang up the glove, I feel like 2022 was a real big year for retirement and uh, combat sports and and you know it kind of made me feel old because again if you look back at the stuff that Matt said with with Bonner and and that era of the UFC, it's it, you watch these guys in combat sports and you feel like like you said you, you feel like they're gonna fight forever. You feel like you're always going to see them competing at, at, at the top 10 for a long time. But then this is the part that, you know, you wake up and and it wakes you up to real, let you know, um, to, to like, uh, they're human. They're human beings. They're not just these figures on the screen that entertain us. They're human beings and they have lives and stuff that, that, that you know, can, can can get plucked away or they have to they have to stop and do other things. And it's crazy to see. It's crazy to see uh, uh, at this point. But um it's also crazy how big the sport has gotten. And um, there's just so many more fans than there's ever been before. There's just so much energy coming to fights on fight nights than ever before. Um, so with that, with the, the sport being as big as it is in 2022, I'm just wondering uh, for you guys, what fights stood out to you guys the most? Uh, what, what, was the, what was the biggest? Uh, if you had to eat like crud, <laughs> like you had a really bad pick. I mean, just whatever jumps off at you, um, Nolan. Why don't you go first? Like, just uh, what's the biggest fight that that when you think about twenty twenty two, you're like, man, that fight was really something. Or, or oh boy, did I, what <laughs> did I look fucking stupid cheering for this guy? Yeah, well, I'll say in terms of like magnitude, it's kind of funny, right? Because there's obviously fights that I think extend beyond our MMA fandom circle, and they get the most buzz, they get the most attention. But I love when. It's a real hardcore fight. Like the, the fans that watch it and they follow it, they really realize the high level nature of a fight. And then it also has buzz and it extends a little bit. And I, I have to tell you, you know, I was doing our spinning back click show on MMA Junkie. They asked me what fight I was most excited for next year if I was the matchmaker, whatever. I think Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya's rivalry this year was fantastic. I thought the buildup was great to have them both on the card at UFC 276 uh, in July. And then to have them, you know, have that fight finally um, at Madison Square Garden and have them. I mean, I could watch those guys fight a million times. Like, you know, I'm mm -hmm. excited for when they do rematch just because I think we had four and a half really fun rounds of, of competitive action. I know sometimes, uh, you know, their grappling wasn't necessarily it wasn't <laughs> the, uh, you know, IBJJF out there. Mm -hmm. But it was it was entertaining. The whole thing was entertaining. The storyline was entertaining. The fact history repeated itself was entertaining. So that was kind of my favorite because I felt like it was that hardcore fight that we all were looking forward to. But then also it had those other uh, extenuating uh, factors that got the masses interested. You know, mm -hmm. the whole kickboxing guy coming over and fighting his rival that he's, you know, controversially beaten. So I, I thought that that really knocked it out of the park for the UFC. That was kind of the big one. And then in terms of picks for me, like bad, you know, bad moments or whatever you want to call it, I think that, uh, you know, I was thinking about this earlier and, 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 you know, I know we're an MMA show here. We're not just UFC. I think Bellator, Johnny Eblen beating Musasi the way he did. I was I was thinking it would go the other way. Like that's probably in a title fight this year. 
Um, I'm not talking about like Leon upsetting Kamaru with the head mm-hmm. kick, like those kind of rally sort of, you know, Pereira beating Adesanya. Like I got those wrong too, but the one that I was just like totally wrong on, if you look at major promotional title fights was Eblin upsetting Musasi. I yeah. thought it was going to go the complete opposite way. Yeah. You and me both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know it's funny you say that fight because I was one fight late on Musasi. I was dumb enough to think Austin Vanderford uh, might have the wrestling yeah. ability to be able to wrestle him down. So that's probably going to go down as my worst pick of the of the year. Um, you mentioned Usman um, and Edwards. For me, that's got to be kind of the the shock moment, the kind of yes. jump out of my seat, kind of you know, cause, and and especially because you were kind of being lulled to sleep during the fight. Usman was doing his thing, and then all of a sudden it was like, it was one of those out of nowhere, late in the fight, you know, craziness that, that just makes this sport uh, nuts. Um, UFC coming to San Diego, my backyard was cool again. It's been a long time for that. Um, that had a fight, uh, Nate uh, Landwehr and uh, David Onama, which was a nonstop Rock'em Sock'em Robots crazy fight. I had a bunch of people with me, and that was fun to see their reaction to that fight because a lot of them hadn't seen that chaos you know, like that in person, uh, actually had really good seats for it. It was a good priced event. So I was able to get really close to the cage. So that was awesome. Um, and then, uh, you know, the main event for that was cruising, uh, Brett or, and, uh, Marlon Vera, you know, um, kind of, kind of becoming a nice fan of Marlon Vera, uh, kind of mm-hmm. underrated him. <laughs> um, a couple fights back, uh, kind of after the Aldo fight, maybe thought, oh, okay, maybe he's a little bit, you know, going, getting into this a little bit too quick for, you know, or maybe he's a little bit, you know, o- over his shoes on this fight uh, world, you know, as far as being in the UFC and fighting these top guys, but he's really rallied. Um, and now he's looking to fight Sandhagen in, in a main event uh, again. And uh, just seems to be a really good guy. The more I, I hear him talk about his daughter and the whole process of him, you know, going back to uh, his UFC, uh, you know, Latin America rise and, you know, all that stuff. So, um those are kind of some of the highlights. Uh, and then obviously it hasn't happened yet, but just the announcement of Fedor's <laughs> retirement fight in LA is enough to, uh, you know, buy me till February 4th with really not caring about much else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially you. Um, the, the, uh, the, the thing that it's funny, Nolan, you mentioned how you, uh, yours came off of uh, doing a, a, the show you guys do at junkie because the beginning of this year, Matt and I did our uh, fighters to watch, and I was all—I was a very big. I had my pom poms out for Rene de Ritter and, and one championship, and I thought he was going to be a triple C and get all the belts that he wanted to get. And then, uh, you know, obviously, the, was it was a couple of weeks ago he just got knocked out by that Russian monster, and I was just like, "Yo!" I was just like, "It's funny because like we talked about it, and I'm still on the hype train. I'm not gonna—I'm not getting off the hype train of RDR, but." Um, that fight, like, I was messaging Matt when they faced off at the media day. I was like, wait a second, dude. This guy might be a little too big for him. But then they were kind of all right framing. But then when that fight happened and the way he swung for the fences, it seemed like every fight he swung at him um, um, was meant to kill him. And and he didn't make it out of the first round. So um, I still think RDR is a, a guy to watch, though, over at one championship and uh, those are kind of another high point for me like the sport's big enough now for one championship to make a move they're saying they're coming here next year uh in colorado and then the stuff they're doing with amazon prime so i mean i just feel like it's such a great time for the sport uh right now it's it's only going to get better and uh, that's kind of why i'm also excited about the uh the the rising bell tour thing for new year's eve but uh before we get into that talking about highs and lows of the year. I know everyone seems to have their own of the year, like awards, everybody, every outlet, every, you know, ESPN's even got their own thing of best submission, best knockout of the year. Um, I actually, there's been so many knockouts that I can't even think of one that I like. Um, but, um, for you guys, never mind award shows or whatever, you know, just your own opinion. What's, what's your favorite knockout? What's your favorite submission? Uh, Nolan, if, yeah, I mean, it's going to sound like a cliche answer here, but I, I think Leon versus Kamara is just like that one that will always be etched in like lore. You know, I think that will be uh, a highlight that's played forever and ever and ever. And, you know, I, I, it's kind of tough for me because whenever we do these awards with MMA Junkie, everybody kind of has a different idea of what it means. Like some people will be like, well, that was a rally. That was a comeback. That was a title fight. That was mm-hmm. in the spotlight. And then sometimes I'll be like looking at some pro fight from Mexico and I'll be like, but that dude jumped off the cage and threw a flying knee, you know, that's the best knockouts. But I think this year 
just with the way it happened, the fact that it was massive, the fact it was against the best pound for pound fighter, I did kind of break my rule of, of having magnitude not play a factor. And mm-hmm. I kind of am being a hypocrite. And I am going with, with Leon for my favorite knockout. Um, do you want the submission now too? Oh yeah, yeah, please. Now on the flip side, <laughs> the opposite with the submission. I think there was a guy, uh, Luca Pocklet. Uh, in were you gonna say that too? <laughs> That's my guy. That's yeah. the one I have. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was anytime you can pull something out of the bag at that level that I've never seen before, and that like you didn't even know what was going on and it happened. That to me was was crazy and awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I hope I hope to see that on more end of the year lists. You know, I know Yo. again everything's UFC centric and big fights and whatever. I'm sure Charles Oliveira versus uh, Makachev submission of Oliveira will you know was slick, so that will get a lot of shine. But to me. Pulling off something like that where you like have me like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, it's impressive. When you have black belts texting each other, like the, <laughs> when that's happening, like, yo, what the fuck was that? How did yeah. that happen? And everybody's like literally talking about it till the next day because I was on a Friday and Saturday morning, like after I, I trained Saturday mornings, we were all on the mats. Guys from other schools come in because they, they know I do good coverage for belt or stuff. Coming and sitting with me on the mats, I'm like, yo, I said, was that like a bug? That was like an inverted buggy choke. Yeah. You know, like nobody, when no one knows what it's called or whatever, I, I, what did he call it? He gave it his own name, like Poketeen like, or something. Lucatine, like that. yeah, or something. Lucatine, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, stuff like that, like it's, I'm, I'm that's why I mean, that's why Have I you like, ever you seen know, that before? <laughs> so, so like I saw him, I remember the fight, like I actually have it saved on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, like I knew we were going to be talking about it. So like when you watch that fight again, um, I, it was so weird that he was uh, wrapping his arm around um, Shiro's head every time he got taken down because it's it's a choke that he said he did, didn't train. We we found that out after the fact. But normally you don't you don't grab somebody like that because you know you run the risk of getting uh, you know the von flu choke or anything like mm-hmm. that when you grab someone's head. But he kept doing it. And it's obviously because he was he he was working for that. I saw the choke was in when um when I saw him grab his thigh, I was like he's got something and and no one on screen saw it. So I'm here screaming in my in my apartment watching it, and I'm like yo he's out he's out. And then the 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 thing about you can tell a great blood choke when the person getting choked still thinks they can do get all pull off whatever they're trying to do. Shiro clearly thought he was going to still get that takedown until. You know, he went out completely. That's happened to me, so that's that's why I know the symptoms. So, so I'm like, when I saw that, I was just like, that was so amazing. And again, like I literally was showing the clips to my instructor, other black belts that have schools in the area here in Jersey, and um, I'm I'm surprised that I don't, you know, there's so much. Again, there's so many people with, with that 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 are that are put doing their own awards and stuff like that. I don't feel like I saw that enough. So that's why. Yeah, not for nothing, Nolan. That's that's why I love that you do what you do because I so ever since I've met you, you 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 what, what's Denzel say from Training Day? You got the magic eye. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the fact that you said that when I got that written in my notes, man. Yeah, that's, that, that's why I, I love say, what you do. Just to put man. some just to put some respect on his name, I got it wrong though. It was the Lucanator, not the Lucatine. I just looked yeah. it up. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just don't want anybody. If anybody hits that again, it's the Lucanator. Yeah, dope, dope submission. But sorry, man, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, no, not at all. Let's, right, what's, well, let's hear your knockout now. Let's circle around. Oh uh, well, let Matt go. I don't, I, I don't really have a knockout. I mean, <laughs> if I'm gonna say one, like, like just yeah. because, I mean, I'm gonna do the opposite of you. Um, even though I kind of, I kind of still say it might have been early stoppage, but you had mentioned the the whole thing with Pajeda and, and Adesanya yeah. because Adesanya had been Adesanya had been winning for so long. It was. I don't want to say. I mean, there's gonna be people that disagree with me, but whatever. Um. You know, it was, he, was, he was winning the way he was winning for so long. It was kind of getting boring. So the fact that he picked up an L, I think that'll light a fire under him. They do it again. We'll probably see an even better fight. Um, but that that's if I have to pick a, a striking finish, that's the one I'm going to go with because that's the one that I talked probably talked about the most the whole year. I'm sure next year you'll be super excited to have your slap fight knockout of the year. Um, no. <laughs> But uh, I'll slap you and knock you out. <laughs> the uh, so for me, uh, you know, I, I, I have ones written down, but seeing uh, a dude thrown into a moat the other day um, <laughs> in Gen Ryujima uh, was by Marcus Aurelio was uh, something to uh, behold. But um, 
I'm going to be surprised Ed missed these. My knockout and my submission comes from the same person. Hmm. Somebody that has co-hosted our show before and is a guest to the show that we watched oh. happen live <laughs> on the show for both. Jillian DeCourcy, uh, Knocking out Lindsay yeah. Van Dant with a powerful right hand and then a bunch of uh, major hammer fists and then picking up the world anim weight title uh, with a submission um, <clears throat> shortly thereafter. Uh, so I'm going to pick based off of just for me personally, because we were live on the show, mm -hmm. we did a, a fight side chat for both of those events. Um, she's been on the show several times um, watching her uh, over the last couple of years as, as she's gotten to this point. So just, uh, the initial excitement that I know Ed and I both had uh, watching a, the knockout live and then watching her win a world title, seeing her, her mm -hmm. uh, joy and celebration um, and just seeing her on, on online and uh, how cool of a person she seems to be. And just, just, just as a personal excitement of being able to do a podcast and get to meet somebody and watch them uh, reach the pinnacle uh, of their weight and their sport um, for me was kind of the highlight. It's not the, you know, it's not the big UFC fight, but that was cool. Uh, probably in person fight. Since I do make it to a lot of fights, I would say probably the, the Vera um, head kick of Cruz just because I was right there. I, you know, um, that, that kind of stands out to me and it's a head kick. We don't see a ton of head kick knockouts. Um, you know, you had the, the, the Usman one, but you know, that was, that was it. But um <laughs> Those are mine. Uh, I think those are mine. Jillian DeCourcy's uh, submission for the number one contender and then the, or the, the knockout for the number one contender and then the submission to win the world title. Uh, a, I'll go with those. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. I mean, you're, you're, you're right. She, she's probably going to break my balls when she sees this uh, over that. But uh, as a jujitsu person, I do know she was one of the people that was like impressed with that sub too. So, um, well, I mean, um, the fact that that those options, there's so many options out there again because of how big the sport's gotten, um, it leads me to to want to look ahead to uh, New Year's Eve with the Bellator Rising event. Um, um, especially, I mean, the reason why I, I kind of wanted to bring Nolan on too because he and I we met covering Bellator events. I know he he does he does a lot of Bellator events all over now, not just up in our region. <laughs> um, so if we want to take a look at the card coming up this weekend, um, um, I was on the media uh, thing yesterday, but last night, and um, uh, I don't know if you read the piece that I wrote on him, um, but there's uh, uh, Archuleta and uh, is it? I don't want to say his name wrong. Suchul Kim. Um, that fight has got more on my radar after talking to them yesterday, just because of the way, like Archuleta. He, he he literally if he wants to host like uh, a show uh, a version of uh parts unknown like anthony bourdain did like he literally he's like you could tell he's in love with japan he was talking about staying there like until like mid-january even after the event um i i got really hyped more hyped to see that fight not just uh the the mckee and, and Souza one and the uh, the one with the two title holders but um anyway um it's it, it seems like it's going to be a really a really fun event and I think it's just, again, it's another – I don't think the timing could be better now for something like this to be shown on American television. So um, uh, without further ado, let, let's, uh, let's do some, uh, some picks if, 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 uh, if, if you're allowed to, Nolan. I hope you're allowed to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is the first fight. Uh, Koji Takata versus Gadzi Rab Rabadnezov. I, I know I messed that up, but – yeah, I mean, uh, this, this is an interesting fight. I think um, Rabadnov obviously is out of Habib's, you know, crew, a.k.a. American Kickboxing Academy. Um, I think he's a scary guy. I think the fact that he's he's kind of an afterthought in that, honestly, like, if you look at his record, the fact that he doesn't have a zero, um, you know, he's like the only one in that squad that isn't like 16-0 and 0 or something. So um, I think maybe people overlook him when they look at Habib's team, but he's scary, man. I mean, we saw him. Uh, when I was out in California, he knocked Daniel Carey, silly, uh, you know, not necessarily like the biggest high profile name there, but it goes to show you like this guy's stretching people, you know, so um, I'm leaning with him. I think he's a he's a really excellent fighter. He's his striking's maybe a little bit further along than some of the uh, the other fighters that are in that camp. Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe uh, he doesn't have that sort of uh, well, I guess he's still a really great wrestler, but maybe not to the Usman Nurmagomedov level, but 
Um, I just think he's going to be too much. I think this is a good addition. Bellator kind of had those four fights announced, and then they slid this one in as the fifth one. Um, I'd heard that Adam Borks was going to do it. I'm not sure what happened to that. I don't know if that was true or not. But anyways, Godzi ends up doing it, and uh, I think that was a good selection by Bellator because I think that he'll win this one. I agree. I, I I just think he's, you know, you come from Khabib's camp. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think they added the Russian to add a little bit more international flavor mm-hmm. to this, uh, you know, put an Eastern European on the card. And I think that that, uh, I think he, I think he picks up the win. I think he probably dominates this fight and uh, it's, it continues the Khabib coaching genius that he seems to, <laughs> seems to be right now. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at these stats here, it looks like 81% of the fans that that, that make picks on, on their website uh, agree with you guys, and so do I. It's hard not, it's hard it's hard to pick against uh it's hard to pick against anyone, like you said, that that's being coached by Khabib, especially, you know, he's got the, the two champs in, in, in both organizations now. So it's uh I mean talk about talk about uh being bred for the sport, man. Jesus, these guys are they're taking over. Um <laughs> I, I don't know what the next evolution of MMA is going to be, but this is pretty much like a a high point, I think, in as far as training goes, of like what to aim for. Um, and then this fight that I was just talking about, uh, no, no, no surprise of who I'm going with. So uh, I'll let you join, uh, do uh, your pick for Archuleta and Kim, Mister. Yeah, I think this is actually, um, you know, again, I'm I'm familiar with these the Japanese fighters to a certain degree. I'm I'm not as versed in them as the Bellator fighters. I just, you know, it's been minimal research and seeing some of the rising events over the years. But I do think that this fight in particular on paper is one of the more competitive matchups that's on this card. I think, you know, Archuleta has a lot to prove at this point in his career. He's coming off the loss to Rafael Stotts. He had, a, you know, another loss not too long ago. So for me, I think that this is a big fight for him. Sometimes I look at these matchups, right, even with Patricio and stuff where I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know what this will mean for somebody when they go back to Bellator. Like, it seems like there's, you know, obviously the opportunity to win. Um, but beyond that, you know, it seems like it's not necessarily going to get in the way of where these guys are trying to go or what they are in Bellator. I do think for Archuleta, though, he needs a win here. Like, I just feel like you need to show, you know, hey, I'm still one of the best bantamweights in the world. At one point in time, I was, you know, the champ. So you got to go out there. You got to make a statement. And I do think that uh, Su Chul Kim is is a good opponent. I think um, he's going to give Archuleta some problems. I do still lean with Archuleta, I think maybe by decision. But I think this is not an easy fight. And this is a risk. Um, you know, there's a lot of risks. Both sides are taken in this event, you know, promotion versus promotion. So shout out to everyone involved. But I uh, I am going to lean with Archuleta again. Yeah, I I, uh, I go with Archuleta, uh, Southern California guy. Um, I think that we sleep on him a little bit because, you know, his only three losses in basically the last eight years or so was Pitbull, Pettis, and and Stotts. So I think that we maybe, you know, lose track that realistically he might be like the, you know, I know there's that stretches out over two weight classes, but he he still could easily be top five um, in either one of those weight classes. Um, if not, you know, maybe even top three, if you lose to the champ, I don't know how far necessarily down the rankings you really drop. Um, it doesn't say much other than maybe you're just not the number one guy in that division. Um, I think he's super durable. I, I don't see him getting finished in this fight. And I, I think, as you say, Nolan, I think he does have something to prove because no matter how, who he lost to, he still lost two of his last three. And, um, I think he's got to come out aggressive in this fight. It seems to me the fights he loses are fights he kind of sit backs a little bit. When he puts pressure on his opponents, he tends to be able to overwhelm them um, throughout his career. I mean, going back to the King of the Cage stuff a long time ago. Um, So I I will go with Archuleta. I think he's he's a little bit underrated at this point with those losses, but I, I don't think he's far from... You know, he lost a decision to Pitbull. He lost a decision to 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 Pettis. Um, you know, and then he got caught by Stotts. But I I do think that he's he's right there. Whether he's world champion material is yet to be seen. But I think he's he's on the precipice, and I think he still could easily, if he picks up a win here, get some momentum. That'll be two in a row. Picks up a big fight in Bellator. I think he's right back in a chance where mm. anything could happen in a world title fight. Obviously, and. Uh, I do believe he's 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 one of the more talented Bellator fighters, pound for pound, that they have. Yeah, and he was he was giving it to Stotts that first round before he got knocked out too. So 
Um, you know, hopefully that was kind of a one-off sort of, you know, I got caught sort of experience because I think there was a lot of improvements he showed and hopefully, you know, some it's tough, right? When somebody gets knocked out, it's always in the back of your mind, like, ah, they could get caught again, but hopefully he shows, you know, his, he's recovered from that. And, and that was just kind of a, a one-off in that department. I totally agree though. You know, people, people, I don't think people have given him enough credit over his career period. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, that, that, that's could be said for a lot of fighters too. Um, but let's uh, move on to the next fight. Uh, Horiguchi versus Ogikubo. Um, this one, just uh, really quick, I'll, my take is, I mean, I, obviously I'm going to lean Horiguchi because I'm a fan, um, and, and he's already got two over him because of the history they shared. But there's something to be said for uh, people having fought each other more than a few times. We saw what happened with Pacheco and um, Kayla Harrison. She wound up being finding a way to beat her. Um, I mean, even in the training room, if there's a guy in your gym that, that you know, manhandles you for enough times, you eventually get used to it and you find a way to get to, to come out on top of it. So um, uh, it looks, it, it seems like, like uh, I almost, and I asked, uh, I asked uh, uh, Ogi Kubo this last night, you know, if he thought he was getting um, a sense of overconfidence from Horiguchi in this, um, he really wants to avenge those losses. So if anything, I think it's going to be more competitive than it's ever been before. But I, I still think uh, Horiguchi pulls off uh, a win. Yeah, I agree with you, Ed. I think uh, Horiguchi is still on my list. Like, it's, it's kind of weird, right? Because I think whenever you see fighters jump promotions, I think my reads are oftentimes not great. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I remember, like, some of the strike force guys that came over, I was like, Oh, I think they'll be good. But then, you know, I don't think they'll be champ. And then like some of those divisions essentially got just taken over by strike force people. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to tell. And I wonder if sometimes I, I, um, what's the right word? <sighs> like I just pump people up too much. Like I, I kind of idealize like, Oh, Horiguchi's finally in America. He's going to beat everyone. You know, mm -hmm. the guy, the Japanese killer that nobody's been counting. And then he comes to Bellator and he loses to Pettis. He loses to Patchy Mix who had a great performance against him. Mm -hmm. But I still think Horiguchi, like when you look at a matchup like this, he's familiar with the guy. He's got history. He's beaten him twice. I still think he's a top, you know, tier Bantamweight. He's just happened to run into guys that were kind of peaking and, and are in the, putting on some of the best performances of their careers. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with him as well. I think he gets it done inside the distance. I think uh, it'll be interesting, the dynamic. I, I liked kind of the take that everybody had about him fighting for Team Bellator as kind of a guy that's probably more popular in Japan than anywhere mm -hmm. else. Uh, you know, and, and they were – I thought um, Saki Kabara was really cool in the, in the presser he did with Coker. Just some of the answers he gave, I don't know if it was a cultural difference that we just don't usually hear stuff like that or if it was specific to him where he's just kind of yeah. – he's a very thoughtful guy, but he was like, yeah, like, you know, it's almost like a kind of a, a baseball player that used to play, you know, in Japan coming back. Like everybody roots for mm -hmm. him and they all win. He's in Bellator, everybody roots for him. So having him here is more of like an honor and we still cheer for him, even though he's in technically on the other team. So mm -hmm. I think he's going to get a big pop. I think he'll feel right at home. And I think uh, history will repeat, it, repeat itself here in a uh, an already lopsided trilogy. Yeah, I think um, I tend to agree. I do believe that he probably has the most pressure. Horiguchi has the most pressure on him of all the fighters on this card. Yeah. I, I um, He's only 32 years old, uh, maybe 31, 31, 32. But I, I, um, I, I feel like he's got, I mean, he's got a lot of bouts. He's 29 and five, uh, which is obviously, you know, a ton of tread on the tires. Um, I, I think that, <sighs> I don't know. I think I, I think he has his best chance because we're back at flyweight for this fight, at least if that's accurate. As far as we know, this is 125 or whatever, 127 pound, whatever, however it works uh, with, with the kilograms. Um, I, I So I, I do think he wins this fight based off of his past history with, with, uh, with his opponent, but uh, – you know, I'm not sure where he goes. I mean, he, I've stayed on this show many times. He's one of my favorite pound-for-pound -pound fighters. His rise outside, when he left the UFC, his rise um, back to the top is what really made me start to embrace the 125-pound weight class. I was uh, I was kind of on the shelf with that weight class. I know even UFC, you know, obviously Dana White was at the time too. I just, the, the you know, uh, Mighty Mouse kind of put me to sleep on the division. He was so dominant that I just kind of, it became hard to have uh, the division to develop because 
everybody was losing to Mighty Mouse. So it was like when you thought a guy was building up, oh, well, maybe he's not as good as I thought. And then Horiguchi goes back to Japan, has this huge run, wins Grand Prix, you know, and then he comes to Bellator, beats Caldwell twice, is, you know, champ, champ. Um, so I, I do think he wins this fight. I think there's a ton of pressure on him. Um, I don't know where he fits in with Bellator anymore, if as mm. far as a bantamweight, because the the more I see Patchy Mix and his size and his length and all that stuff, um, the Pettis fight, I, you know, I think he can hang. I think he fights Pettis all day long, and it's competitive. You know, if they fight ten times, I'd take Koraguchi's, you know, six out of ten mm. if I'm picking that that bout, you know. But I don't think he can beat the Patchy Mixes. I don't think he can beat some of those guys. I think they're too big, athletic, and too strong. And guys that are cutting down from way too much weight. Historically, mm-hmm. Japanese fighters <clears throat> cut a ton of weight, um, and he really keeps that tradition. He he doesn't look like a 145 pounder who's cutting down to, to make bantam weight, uh, or even a lightweight cutting down to make bantam weight. Um, so I do think he wins. Um, you know, I think he wins exciting. I think he might catch him, and, and we get one of those where he climbs the ropes, and we get kind of that Vanderlei Silva celebration in the corner, and yeah. you know, all that stuff going off. So I'm rooting for him. I hope he wins. I just don't know where he fits in Bellator's future if they don't have a flyweight division. Um, but maybe a win here. Maybe that's something Coker looks at, um, especially if they get a relationship going, a, a strong relationship with uh, Ryzen, because then you can bring over some of the smaller Japanese guys. And really yeah. kind of help develop that division um, in both organizations. Yeah, no, I uh, I know um, I read uh, Damon Martin spoke with Horiguchi about that, and Horiguchi said he had asked Coker to to please add a fly a one twenty five division. So I'm assuming he feels the same way you do. But um, moving moving ahead uh, with the uh, the Ryzen champ versus the the Bellator champ. I mean, they're both really good uh, jujitsu guys. I mean, strong MMA jujitsu. Um, I think this is more of a, uh, um, it's going to come down to who's got the better hands. And because of that, I, I lean Pitbull because obviously he's put, uh, some notable people away with that overhand right of his or his left to right. I forget which one he, he likes to throw over the top to drop people, but I don't see the, I don't see a grappling match happening. Um, even though Koiki has, a has, a he's got like that, uh, he's got that ectomorphic frame that I do kind of favor a lot of fighters for to to win with i just feel like uh pitbull's got the uh you know what's that saying the, that about 80 80 percent of the fights going to the ground but they all start standing i i kind of feel like that matters a lot here so i'm gonna i'm leaning pitbull too plus you know i'm obviously team bellator for for, for my picks i like the uh you using the word ectomorphic i like that that's the first <laughs> time i've been on an mma podcast and somebody's used that but that's a perfect way to describe him, man. I think this is a good fight. I think he's, you know, we talked, Matt had mentioned how he thought Horiguchi had the, the the most to lose or the most amount of pressure, whatever you want to call it. I think for Koyoki, has, is that how you say it? Anybody? I don't know. Koyoki, I think he has. You can't ask us. We screw up names every week yeah, on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I heard you nail it a minute ago, and I'm like, that's better than I can do. But anyways, I think he has a lot to gain here where it's like a lot of times you see Bellator, like when um, Tofik beat, Pitbull, other Pitbull, Patricky, like all of a sudden it seems like Bellator is like pursuing that, you know, like, oh, he's a guy that's good. He's shown he can hang. Let's bring him in. We could do a rematch here, you know, like a year or two from now. It's a fight we could kind of, you know, as long as Patricio keeps winning, you can have that fight kind of hanging out there in the background. So I think there are some opportunities for him to potentially be a sought after free agent. If you go out there and beat the Bellator GOAT, you know, that's Mm -hmm. a great opportunity. Um, With that being said, I definitely think Pitbull should be the favorite here. I believe he is. Um, the most underappreciated fighter in Bellator history. It might be backfiring on me to say that so much because I think I'm just heaping praise on him, but uh, he's so good, man. He's just somebody that will, you know, even if he gets his flowers and people talk about him as the Bellator goat, I still think um, there's been so much time that's been missed where people didn't appreciate him and didn't understand how good he was. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see him be able to do something like this. He seems to really want these sort of opportunities. Like, He's been posting some training videos of him practicing soccer kicks and stomps for this. Like he seems to be, this seems to be very much up his alley to do something like mm-hmm. this. And uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with Patricio. I think he gets it done inside the distance. With you guys. I think he's one of the pound for pound best fighters we've ever seen in the sport. Uh, I think he is highly underrated because he is a Bellator fighter and he's not, doesn't have a UFC in front of his name. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
think that this fight uh, ends up staying on the feet, and I see, I think he boxes him up. Uh, I, I, I'm just, you know, I've been fortunate enough to see Pitbull fight in person seven or eight times now, and and going back to like his debut in Bellator, and I, I just it. It's been fascinating to me to see how good he is and just how he rebounded from his losses and how he's always been able to, to come back. And, and I mean, his, he put on a clinic against Borix in his last fight. Um, you know, not the most exciting fight, but, you know, when you look at his timing and you look at his just his ability to, to, to really pick people apart and, and uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see. I, I, uh, and he's got great. He's got a great guillotine. So I mean, his, his strength in such a small little package. It's just. It's just. I, I'm just. I'm just blown away by how good he is. Um, I'd hate to see him lose this because, you know, fight fans are so fickle, and we'll all of a sudden start hearing about how he was overrated and how if he fought Volkanovski, he'd get finished in the first round, and we get all that nonsense that goes with. We go on uh, Twitter for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's <laughs> unfortunately that's yeah, maybe that's not the reality, but that's that's. Mm-hmm. that's what's public, you know, and, and, and people's attitudes and, and comments can, can really sway, you know, if somebody says something, then there's a hundred people who are like, Oh yeah, there it is. He sucks. You know? And, and, and that's the, that's the big downfall to it. Where on the other side, if he wins, maybe somebody goes, Holy crap, you know, you know, maybe it's, maybe, you know, at some point, if he keeps winning, you all, he's going to have to ask Coker to have the Chandler thing where he's going to have to go, you know, I have to have a chance to fight, Volkanovski, Ortega, uh, Holloway, whoever the heck it is at, 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 at featherweight and just show that I am who I believe he believes he is. And honestly, who I think he is, do I know if he beats Volkanovski? I don't know. Volkanovski is amazing as well, but uh, any, any odds that are anything like more than like almost a coin flip to me is, is disrespect for, for what he's done inside, inside the cage. So I'm going with Pitbull. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think he's, I I just think he's great. Agreed. Agreed. And this one, I mean, the, the I guess this is the main event. The whole thing's the main event to, to me, but um, Sousa and McKee, um, I mean, uh, if there's probably between the three of us. I, I mean, well, we've all watched McKee fight a lot, but I think watching him live, uh, uh, Nolan, you and I have probably seen him a lot more than a lot of folks can say they have just because of all the times he fought out here and, and – um, and Bellator when we were at Mohegan Sun watching him come up uh, when he knocked out that uh, – was it Mazada? When he knocked out Mazada, that was kind of like a fight that everyone was picking against him. And then, you know, he came and, and, and you know, shut everyone up with the, the first-round knockout. So he's definitely – being a second-generation mixed martial artist, you know, having his dad in his corner. I mean, the, this is somebody that – if Hollywood's going to make a movie about an MMA fighter, they got to make it about the, about this kid or his family or something. So, I mean, as much as I like Sousa, because I do, I've watched him grapple a lot, you know, I don't think it's going to, it's MMA. It's not a grappling match. Like Scott Coker shut down my idea of the fucking team grappling thing, <laughs> being a jerk to me. And, and even though Sak- Sakaki Barra liked what I was putting down, though, if you watch that video, he was nodding his head, nodding his head. But um, that's another story. But yeah, I think, um, I think McKee, uh, I think he's, he's just, if, if you're looking at the first uh, of the new modern mixed martial artists, it's AJ McKee, so I'm, I'm, uh, like I said, Team Bellator all the way. This might be the wrong way to make picks, but <laughs> part of me in my head's like, is Bellator really going to sweep Ryzen? You know, like, is it, is it going to be? Am I being too American centric, Bellator centric on this? And for me, when I look at this fight, I think that this is the closest fight. You know. In my brain, like if you were to show me that lineup and say which one of, if you had to pick one Bellator fighter to lose their matchup, mm. who would it be? I think I would lean here. I think, mm. I think, you know, Suze is one of those guys that's, like you said, he comes from the grappling background. Like perhaps the other parts of his game are not as, as uh, buttoned up as maybe some other top champions from around the world. But for me, I, I think like, you know, looking at AJ's last few fights, um, I haven't necessarily loved some of the stuff that I've seen. Like, you know, I think that even the Carlisle fight, like on paper, to me, like I think AJ standing in Bellator, like he should have been able to handle himself a little bit better. I don't know if it's a, maybe it's a mental thing. Maybe, you know, it's a strategy thing. Maybe it's not necessarily his skills, because at times, especially during that come up in the last, you know, the mm. the Pitbull when he beat when he defeated him and some of the fights before that, he looked freaking fantastic. So 
maybe he'll come out and, you know, the last couple just show that they, that wasn't his best performances, but uh, you know, in, in the, in the sake of, of saying something crazy here, I'm going to go with Souza. I think like somebody's got to lose on Bellator. Mm. And I think that this is maybe one that people are sleeping. I think this is overall, like I said, at the beginning of this, this is very risky for both promotions. I think that when you, it's cool in concept, it's great for the fans. It's great for the sport. It's great to see things like this can happen. But at the same time, when you start throwing your big stars and having them go to head to head, somebody's going to walk away with less stock. Like somebody's going to have your champs going to walk or your top contender is going to walk away with a loss. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just starting to, I'm, I don't know. There's just some feeling I have of, and I'm going to lean towards Sousa. I should have went before you because I'm kind of going the same way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, and a lot of it has to do with the same on, thing as me. far as, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I know I talk about the fights I've gone to, but the fact I, I, I attended AJ McKee's very first and second pro fights ever. I watched his dad fight live in 2000, in 2000. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and I watched uh, Souza grapple at Metamorris five uh, after his MMA debut. He, uh, he had a grappling bout at Metamorris with uh, Jake Shields. Um, That's right. So I, so I was, I, I kind of, I mean, these are literally, literally people I've been following since, the very first time they stepped on the mat for competition um, outside of jujitsu or, or some amateur stuff. Um, I, historically, the ring favors the striker, which in this fight is obviously AJ McKee. But you, I think you think that because of pride and you had Crow Cop and, and, and a lot of those guys who were able to, you know, pin guys in corners and stuff. But for every time I remember a guy getting pinned in the corner by Igor Vovchanchin, I remember mm-hmm. another guy kind of being hanging off the ropes and the referees pulling the ropes mm-hmm. away and a guy getting dragged to the mat and, you know, it, it being a fight under the ropes there. And um, I kind of see that possibly happening. You mentioned Spike Carlisle. Now, Spike Carlisle is kind of a different animal. Uh, maybe not the most skilled guy, but he's like a pit bull in the cage. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I was at that fight and, I thought I think some of the scorecards are like 30-26. Now maybe round by round on TV, that's how it came off. But watching that fight live, it was much closer than that. There was moments when Carlisle had McKee in some danger, and if he had been a world champion, perhaps level fighter, he may have been able to do uh, some some big time damage to McKee. Um, so I kind of see this fight ended up in a clinch along the ropes. Uh, maybe McKee does, you know, you, you, you talk about uh, motivation and stuff and you, you, you got to kind of wonder where McKee's head was. He was undefeated. He was, you know, uh, I don't know if it was sports illustrated, but he was just about everybody's top, you know, mm-hmm. contender under whatever, 25 years old or however the articles came out. Um, he was on the precipice of superstardom. Um, before really he lost the rematch to Pitbull. Had he won that rematch, I think we would, I, you know, and he, and he was 20 and 0 right now. I, I think you'd be borderline again, another guy going, okay, I fought 20 times in Bellator. Are we moving on to, you know, I want, you know, I, I want Khabib or whoever the heck is the lightweight champion at the time in the UFC. Um, I see Sousa getting the body lock and somehow dragging him down along the ropes and maybe catching him in a triangle, wow. something like that, or, or getting, getting a mount. And, and, you know, I love Japanese MMA, but quick stoppages have been something that we have seen uh, <laughs> where maybe not, a, you know, Sakuraba and Shamrock. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's just one that jumps into my head where guys kind of get hit with a flash shot and refs in there jumping, waving it off, especially, now keep this in mind. If this is the main event of the evening and Bellator is up 4-0, <laughs> you know, does it, again, I, I I hope that there's nothing like that. But, you know, if, if Souza flashes him with a punch or gets him in some kind of submission, you know, do we see a, a you know, a, a, well, what, we thought he was out in the triangle or something. You never know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, I, I lean with, it's hard for me to see a sweep because these fights are good and there's, there's such competition that, it's hard for me to go five and zero, oh and and uh, so I'll, I'll go with Souza by kind of a. I, I know he's a champ, but to me it'll be an upset. I have no idea what the odds are for these fights, um, but uh, I'll go with Souza. And if Souza wins that, I think it automatically pretty much buys you. I mean, don't you don't you kind of got to do Souza? You you got to welcome him to Bellator to get a chance at a title fight, mm. which opens up another chance at kind of creating another superstar. And that's, that's kind of what's cool about it. I mean, that was Horaguchi coming to Bellator and 
being called well. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden it creates, you know, so while there's a lot to be lost with a loss for some of these fighters, yeah. a, win, a win by these fighters has a chance to, especially the Japanese and, and the, the rising guys, because you have a chance to be on maybe CBS in six months. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's so many doors opening up for some huge, uh, eyes to see you fight outside yeah. of you know the lunatics like me who sit around at 3 a.m. To, <laughs> to, to watch these guys yeah. but uh I, I mean i props to both of the uh, saki kabara and uh, and coker for being willing to do what we know that some of the other big promoters just uh, don't have the guts they don't really have the need to do it um, neither do these guys though but uh, just props to them for putting it on and yeah. giving the fans what we've been wanting for a long long time mm-hmm Hundred percent, and um, real quick. I mean, it doesn't have to be MMA related because we're we're coming down to the end of the podcast here. But um, my question to both of you guys, just because it's the end of the year, um, what are you uh, what are you looking forward to working on the most in twenty twenty three? Again, it doesn't have to be combat sports, career, anything. I mean, what, if it's something personal, um, if if Nolan, you, you feel like you haven't gotten enough Krispy Kreme this year, you want to get more, whatever it may be. Um, let, let us have it. What, what are you looking forward to in 2023? Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, Krispy Kreme is number one, but, um, <laughs> no, man, I, I hope, uh, you know, next year, I think with the, uh, with the pacing of just the increased pacing of MMA, like it's been, we've had to adjust a lot with our coverage and just figuring out, you know, how much to do, like how comprehensive to cover just the ins and outs of the sport versus longer term projects versus whatever. So, um, I did get to do some kind of longer piece stuff this year, which is always uh, something that if I'm very into the topic or into the interview, or I think I did, you know, something came out, my interview did really like came out really well, like in my conversation, like I can turn it into a story, mm-hmm. those sort of things uh, motivate me. It's just about time, like having the time to be able to do it mixed in with the 900 UFC events and the triple Bellator PFL UFC weekend and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I kind of hope to, um to do some more long piece stuff. I've, been playing around with the concept of like when i did brennan ward earlier this year i had the yeah. title finding finding brennan ward yeah i did something with john hathaway's that was similar Find, like i didn't call it finding john hathaway but uh basically i think what we're going to end up doing next year is i'm going to do a series called finding so i'll be finding fighter x and it will be guys that have fallen off the grid people where did they go where did so-and-so you know it was it was nice too because sometimes when i've said oh i'm having somebody i have a big story coming out tomorrow of somebody we haven't heard from for a while. All the comments of people guessing gave me good ideas for the future. So yeah. um, I'd, I'd like to do four or five of those this year, kind of find guys that have not done interviews or have disappeared or fell off the grid and, and kind of catch up with them. Yeah, I remember that. You put that out around the beginning of, of this year, the Brennan Ward yeah. piece. So that was definitely – and I remember you did something similar for a lot of fighters. Uh, uh, Terrence McKinney did something on. Yeah. And, um, you, you, I mean, just uh, really quick – to stroke Nolan's ego before you, you ah, say perfect. your thing, Matt. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like like Nolan, you know, Nolan's been on the road, you know, uh, to, uh, making his way in this business, as, uh, covering the sport. And he's, in my opinion, he's the only guy that that's out there doing it correctly. He doesn't have a shtick or a character or a gimmick. You know, he's just somebody that's out there talking to these fighters and telling their stories and there's not enough out of that out there. And that's why I've always share your stuff and read your stuff because I mean, you're literally somebody that, that you're, you're where you're at because you put in the work to be there. And I, I hope you get more in tw- of that in 2023 too. So whatever you want to do, man, I hope you get to do it uh, all the way through hundred percent 2023. I appreciate that, man. You've always, that's funny. Like, you know, when I came kind of into the Bellator scene a little bit, it was uh, definitely nice to get to kind of know uh, the ropes and just kind of see some of you guys, what you did and things like that. So, I mean, there was one time even I was like pretty beat. I think we had done like a back to back or something and uh, I crashed on your uh, your couch <laughs> in your in your hotel room. You were yeah. kind enough to say, hey, you don't have to drive two hours. You can do this. And uh yeah, so I appreciate you and all your support throughout the years. Nice to see you again in June. Hopefully we'll get to do it again. I don't know. When more, will be yeah. Back in Mohegan, but a, a few more times, and hopefully, I'll be out to get out to some stuff too. I'm talking. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I'd like to get to that one championship event in Colorado, but we'll see how that. Yeah, and I still, I still out. have to have my uh, illustrious first in-person meeting with Matt as well. I've been, been out in uh, SoCal <laughs> a couple times now. It just hasn't 
hasn't aligned, um, but maybe if they send me, I'm not sure if I'm going to be there in February, but if, if I don't know if you'll be there as well. Yeah. Oh, I'll be there. I've yeah. got, uh, I've got good seats for that one. Uh, I'm hoping <laughs> that uh, my, my glorious uh, sweater of absolute victory gets, gets one more <laughs> night of, of glorious victory. Uh, and we get to see Fedor uh, head off into the sunset. Yeah. You must've been rubbing your hands when that got dropped for LA, right? Oh, oh my God. Yo, he, he literally was blowing up my, my Twitter. My well, He's like, yo, find out this for me. Send me this. And I was just like, yeah. I was like, I'm already doing it because I know you want it. So, yeah. Oh, I've got a good friend flying in from Arkansas who's, who's <laughs> been to several Fedor fights with me. Um, so, it, it's, it you know, it's, oh, I'm looking at the bobblehead right here. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so I look forward to that. I'd like to try to get out to one. Um just because, as Ed's mentioned, I was lucky enough to get out to uh, one of the Pride events when it was out here. Mm -hmm. And I kind of regret not making it to the other one just because you never know. Mm -hmm. You know, as somebody who watches as much as I do, like, I love the UFC. Uh, As much as I might bash certain aspects of it. We all love the UFC. We love the sport. Um, But the thing that's always made me love the sport is the other stuff, the side stuff, the you know, I know BKFC is an MMA, but I like that stuff. I like the the throwing dudes into moats and the platform fighting and <laughs> and the you know the in the mountains of Russia with you know uh, you know medieval dudes standing around and all that stuff. Like that's that's what I like about the sport. I've never taken it super seriously. To me, it's always been two dudes getting in a cage to beat each other up, and we're trying to find out who's the best. I, I and I, and I've always promoted them getting paid more and. Um, you know, it does nothing to do with me, but I would love to see some insurance for a lot of these guys. Um, we mentioned Stefan Bonner's passing. Um, if his if his kid daughter, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know his personal family situation. His daughter should never have to worry about anything her whole life for what that guy did for the UFC. Um, so I would love to see some kind of package where, you know, I don't know if Rumble had family. I don't know. I don't know any of their personal stuff. I, I try to stick to what I see happening in front of me as a sport. Um, but uh, that's what I'd like to see. I know that doesn't have anything to do with me. Uh, maybe do some little writing. I haven't done it in a couple of years. But uh, you know, having doing this podcast with Ed, you guys are the pros, and and you guys are are who I read and who I um, look to for information um, to to help me go to these live events and 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 fill my mind with who's fighting if it's guys that I don't know or or even just give me dates and announce fights and uh, and help me get excited to keep you know, keep getting excited over all these dang years of, of watching the sports. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously I'd, I'd look, you know, we talk, you know, on Twitter occasionally, I'd love to meet you in person, Nolan. Uh, it's been a couple of years since me and Ed have been able to uh, have a uh, personal and, meetup. And Nolan has the Ed Carbohol badge of beer uh, appreciation, <laughs> approval, whatever. He definitely knows his stuff. Uh, Cause we had a few, the last time we were together. And uh, yo, I really quick. I want to shout out uh, Matt Davies, the photographer. That, <laughs> That he's a man. He, he's the first Australian dude I've ever drank with, and uh, literally <laughs> the, the the next day I was like, I told my my drinking buddy in Brooklyn, I was like, "Yo, if an Australian dude says let's go drinking, say no," because this guy, if you remember before fight night, uh, Nolan, when we separated for the evening, we were, we went out, we had our drinks, we had our dinner, yeah, we, yeah. Did, we did whatever we were gonna do, and uh, you know, you were like, we we had enough, we were done, <laughs> and uh, and and uh. <laughs> Nolan was uh like you know I'm I, I'm going I said yeah I'm gonna go back to my where I'm staying too, and it took an hour for me to get home back because that's how long it took me to get a ride. That fucking guy was still there drinking, and like wide awake like he like zero like full of energy. And then come fight night, I mean we're sitting down writing and doing you know our voices. He's running around climbing on shit to take pictures. <laughs> I, I was like yeah that. Uh, Australian people are on another level. I mean, I know I talk a lot of shit about beer and knowing my stuff, but if 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 uh, Matt, shout out to Matt Davies Photography, he's uh, that's his uh, Instagram if you want to look for him because that dude is a beast and he's a great photographer too. Yeah, he's uh, he's the man. He's he's been like a good uh, acquisition to my seeing people that you know on the ground at these things. Like mm-hmm. I, I ran into him briefly, like in uh, New York City for MSG. There was an ESPN did like a media mixer thing with like an open bar. And mm-hmm. I only talked to him for like 10 minutes, but very highly entertaining conversations. Always, <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, and actually when I was in Long Island, I ran into him too. We grabbed some, uh, grabbed some wings together. It was fun, but yeah, he's a good dude. A lot yeah. of good people in this industry, you know, I come yeah, in he always asks me, but 
he always asked me if I'm going to be at those things too. And I was just yeah, like, yeah. no, it depends on, you know, because obviously it's not my full-time thing. But um, yeah, yeah, no, he's definitely. And you guys must be pretty close to each other too, location. Yeah, he, he's literally like 20, 30 minutes from me. Yeah. Um, but um, I like to just hang out with the dude because. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Big cowboy hat. Hang out with him to eat. I don't know about yeah. drinking after that, but. If you drank with him again, then you're definitely a you're more of a man than I am because that <laughs> that dude could literally put him away like nobody's business. But um, all right, man. Well, Matt, if you want to uh, take us out, yeah, real quick though, before I take us out uh, for the sh- week, uh, just a quick schedule for those that are uh, MMA junkies out there and uh, and, <laughs> and combat junkies. Um, tomorrow evening. Um, obviously stuff starts to kick off. There is a uh, Fury Pro Grappling event headlined by Chase Hooper and uh, everybody's favorite lunatic uh, other than Stefan Bonner, Clay Guida, uh, headlining that. Uh, headlining that. So that's something that uh, should be fun to watch. I believe it starts around six, six-ish. Um, well, I guess nine o'clock or so Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get the Risen 40 main card, guys like John Dotson, Luis Gustavo, some really uh, Johnny K- Case, some really fun fights uh, for the, the main Risen 40 card. Um, I, that sh- starts at uh, midnight uh, Eastern, uh, 9 o'clock Pacific. So you really could go into the combat grapple, or the, not the combat grappling, but the, the pro grappling, follow that into Risen. Um, we didn't mention it. The one downside to the Bellator event um, that we – hopefully one day we'll solve is that there's really no live stream for it. Um, so that will be broadcasting, uh, I believe eight Eastern five Pacific on, on the 31st on showtime. Um, I believe if you're in Canada, there might be a way to watch it on their YouTube. I'm not sure how Bellator is shown there, but I think it might be earlier in the morning. Uh, so if you're a Canadian listener, you might have other options there. Um, but there is a gap filler there that we didn't talk about, and it's actually a pretty damn good card. Uh, we have U.S. versus U.K. Cage Warrior event, uh, headlined by uh, Jesse J.T. Money. Um, uh, 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 former UFC Ultimate Fighter, um, Jesse Taylor. Um, and, and there's a 12-fight uh, card that starts at 2 o'clock Eastern. So watch Ryzen 40. Get a little extra sleep because you're not watching mm-hmm. the last intermission and the last five fights. Wake up, watch Cage Warriors. That should take you right into the Showtime uh, broadcast of uh, Bellator, and then everybody can uh, pop the champagne for 2023. So there's a ton of action to be uh, watched. Um, and uh, I want to thank everybody again before I sign us out who's been on the show this year. Um, Nolan, for coming on You know during – the holiday season right now to talk. Oh, yeah. Let us know where to follow you too, Nolan. I mean, not, not they should know El Rey de MMA by now, but they should know uh, MMA yeah. Kings, but put it out there, please. Twitter at MMA underscore Kings, Instagram at Nolan King MMA. And I do there have a Facebook is. fan page, but I don't really use it that much. No OnlyFans yet. Yet. Awesome. Oh. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> first to sign up when you do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right oh, uh, fans can check out the show at combat hour on twitter coast to coast combat hour on instagram follow me matthew hawkins at mma hawk 21 on twitter and instagram follow edit carbazal on twitter carbeerzal on instagram and old head carb on twitch and again as always we're brought to you weekly by allaccessmma.com check out allaccessmma.com for a video podcast mma news and stories and um Again, thank you everybody that's listened this year. Uh, we had a nice uh, Spotify uh, numbers, which uh, makes all this fun. And, and you know, even if the numbers were zero, all the people that uh, I've had the opportunity to meet doing this podcast makes it well worth it. And um, I just want to thank everybody for their time coming on here and, and those that have taken time to listen. Uh, late Christmas, Merry Christmas to everybody. And uh, I hope everybody has a great uh, New Year's and be safe this weekend. Peace. Happy New Year.